Progress, for the sake of progress, must be discouraged. Let us preserve what must be preserved, perfect what can be perfected, and prune practices that ought to be prohibited. My name is Stephen Cram, and welcome to My Apologies. You may be wondering about that quote at the beginning of our episode today. No, it's not C.S. Lewis, but the first couple people who can tell me on YouTube or Twitter what it is from, specifically, like episode or the movie specifically it's from, I'll send a little gift to, something TBD. You may know this if you've listened to a few episodes already, but if you're new to my apologies, an apology doesn't just mean saying that you're sorry. An apology can also mean giving a reason for something that you believe. For example, if I ask you, why do you believe that it's pronounced jif? I'm asking for an apology. On this channel, we will examine various apologies for living a life of faith and virtue. And if I say something that offends you, my apologies. In our Mere Christianity series so far, we're now on Book 1, Chapter 5. And this is the final chapter in this section, Book 1. We probably will have a couple of episodes from this chapter before we move on to Book 2, and that's just because Lewis makes several different, unique, and interesting points that I think deserve their own episodes in this chapter. So we'll spend a little bit of time here in Chapter 5, two, maybe three episodes, and then we'll move on to Book 2. Today, we're talking about progress, what Lewis has to say about being progressive as a society. And I know this word has a lot of baggage today, especially in America. Some people think that being progressive is the right way to be politically. Some people think that that is as close as you can be to being the spawn of Satan, being progressive. It's like a dirty word in some circles. And Lewis has something to say that thankfully isn't really partisan. It's not even very political. It's more of like what Christians should view society as a whole. And it can be applied to our personal lives as well, but we'll get into that. So today, we'll be looking at what Lewis has to say about progress, the idea of progress in society, and then at the end, we'll wrap it up with some quotes that can teach us what we should be progressing towards. These will be quotes from church history, recent church history as far back as a few hundred years. So let's get into it. So Lewis starts off talking about clocks. He says essentially that if you've been reading the book this far, and you're not a theist already, you may think that he's trying to trick you into believing in a god, that he's being sneaky in the way he's presenting things. He mentions that opponents to religion might say that you may have felt you were ready to listen to me as long as you thought I had anything new to say. But if it turns out to be only religion, well, the world has tried that, and you cannot put the clock back. So the atheist here saying that religion is a thing of the past. As a world, we've tried that. It didn't work for us, and we shouldn't go back and try it again. We've progressed beyond that. It's kind of like living without air conditioning in Texas. That should always be a thing of the past. There's no reason that you should buy a house and turn off the AC or get it uninstalled. We've moved on to bigger and better things, mainly not living in 103 degree heat inside. Why would we want to go back to that? And that's what the atheist is saying. We, we've moved beyond religion. We're on to bigger and better things. We shouldn't turn the clock back. Lewis responds in a classic Lewis manner. He says, Would you think I was joking if I said that you can put a clock back? And that if a clock is wrong, it is often a very sensible thing to do. So if you've got a clock, he says, that is displaying the wrong time, the proper thing to do is to turn it back. And why is that? Well, because there is a correct time, and you want to know that time. The clock is useless if you haven't put it to the correct time. And so it's kind of a cheeky way of turning it on the atheist and saying, hey, you know what, you, you say we shouldn't turn the clock back. Well, if the clock is wrong, you should do exactly that. If religion, which is what this metaphor is all about, if religion is the right way to view the world, 
and we've moved beyond that, we've stopped viewing the world that way, we should turn the clock back and go back to viewing the world through a religious lens. And he says more about that in the next section. G.K. Chesterton, another man with two letters and a last name, like C.S. Lewis, he wrote a book called The Everlasting Man, which actually inspired Lewis's theism. It was one of the biggest things that Lewis said, actually, he attributed his conversion to. And both of them have a similar ability to turn a phrase. They're both absolute quote minds of clever quotes that promote Christianity. But in his book, What is Wrong with the World?, he says, The problem with Christianity is not that it has been tried and found wanting, but that it has been found difficult and left untried. The problem with Christianity is not that it has been tried and found wanting. And this is what the opponent to religion in Lewis's book is trying to say, that we've tried it, it's been found wanting, we've moved on. And Lewis is, and, and Chesterton is saying that it's not actually that it was found wanting and it was left behind. Rather, it has been left behind because it was found to be difficult. It was left behind for that reason, which is not a good reason to leave it behind. The only reason you should leave it behind is if it's been found untrue, not that it's been found difficult and you decided you'd rather not try it anymore. And I think Lewis would agree with Chesterton on that point. Religion has been left untried by modern society. Many people today in Europe especially, but starting to grow in America as well, don't even know what Christmas is about. They don't know the name of the baby in the manger. In the manger. And that is a travesty. Our modern clocks are wrong and should be turned back because of it. And this is where Lewis gets into the idea of progress. Lewis says, I would rather get away from that whole idea of clocks. We all want progress, but progress means getting nearer to the place where you want to be. And if you have taken a wrong turning, then to go forward does not get you any nearer. If you are on the wrong road, progress means doing an about turn and walking back to the right road. And in that case, the man who turns back soonest is the most progressive man. We have all seen this when doing arithmetic. When I have started a sum the wrong way, the sooner I admit this and go back and start again, the faster I shall get on. There is nothing progressive about being pig-headed and refusing to admit a mistake. And I think if you look at the present state of the world, it is pretty plain that humanity has been making some big mistake. We are on the wrong road, and if that is so, we must go back. Going back is the quickest way on. Before reading this, I myself thought of progress as moving forward, just generically. But Lewis makes a really good point that it's actually only progress if you're moving toward the goal you have in mind. An example of this, I have a bit of a toxic trait that, gives, that gets me into trouble on road trips. When I'm driving somewhere that I've never been before, naturally I use Apple Maps. Growing up, we used a paper map. Yep, I'm old enough to remember paper maps before GPS was a thing, but now I use the app. So much easier. Maybe you use Google Maps or Waze or something like that, an alternative, but I'm sure you're at least familiar with what I'm talking about. If you've used these before, you know that when you approach a turn, the app speaks up and it says, it tells you exactly how far it is to the turn, which direction you should be turning, things like that. Well, I can't stand this. It's a personal pet peeve of mine. If I'm jamming in the car to some country music, the last thing I want is for the volume to be turned down artificially by the app, and I suddenly hear this robotic Apple voice telling me, 200 yards to turn right. It, I just can't. It bothers me so much. So I turn it off. I turn that feature off. And this leads me to trouble. Unlike me, my wife is wise, and she keeps the directions on because it keeps her from missing turns. A few weeks ago, we were on our way to a wedding. And I was already stressed, probably because we were late or something, but I was using my phone to navigate, and naturally I had the directions, the, the audible directions, turned off. 
because I was already kind of out of it mentally because of being stressed, I missed a turn. I was supposed to get off the highway, exit and turn left, and I totally missed it. And we're, we're headed straight on a highway to Oklahoma, which is not where we're trying to go. At this point, I'm clearly frustrated. The phone in front of me keeps recalculating over and over again every time I pass another exit. And so I have two options. Option one is to just keep going forward, to keep driving into the middle of nowhere until I reach a place where only cows exist, no humans. Or I could humble myself, listen to the app and my sweet wife, pull a Yui and head back towards the location where I should have made the turn in the first place. The first option is clearly not progressive we would have totally missed the wedding we were going to. The second option is the progressive one. It's the only one that had me actually headed in the direction of my goal, to see two of my good friends get married. We all want to progress in life, whether that be in our careers, our families, our pickleball skills, or progress as a society, as a government as a whole. So in each of these areas, ask yourself whether you are truly progressing or if you're just continuing on the path that you've been continuing on. Are you actually headed toward the goal you had in mind? So that's what Lewis has to say about progress in chapter 5. But I'm going to go a bit beyond Lewis here. He tells us some interesting things about progress, and he says that as a society, we've clearly moved to the wrong road. But he doesn't, in this chapter at least, give specifics about what the right road is, other than theism broadly. And this is by design. He's not trying to put Christianity out yet. He's not trying to move that quickly. But this is my podcast, so I'm going to be a little bit more bold and put out there exactly what we should, I think, be progressing toward. Suggest a goal for society and for us personally. We've said that in order to know if you're progressing, you have to know the goal. So let's look at a few quotes from church history and see what they have to say about what we should progress toward. First, we have the Westminster Catechism. A catechism is a summary of the basic principles of Christianity, and it generally comes in the form of a question and an answer a question and an answer. It's like a rule of faith, but a series of question and answers that help instruct believers, young believers and mature believers in what they should believe. The specific catechism, Westminster Catechism, was written in London, England in the 1640s, and it's one of the most widely used reformed catechisms to this day. The very first question, the very first point in the catechism is, what is the chief and highest end of man? And this is important for us in this topic. If we want to know what we should be progressing towards, we should know what is our chief and highest end. What's the ultimate end we should be heading toward? And the answer in Westminster Catechism is man's chief and highest end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. To glorify God and enjoy him forever. So if we want a target to aim at, this is a pretty dang good one. If you want to know what humans are made for, this is it. This may seem exciting to you. It may relate to what you feel like your purpose is in life, or it may seem a bit dull if we're being honest. You maybe would prefer it if humans were created for adventure and excitement, and that was the answer that was given. Or maybe as a society of humans, we should be headed toward freedom or equality, things that Americans specifically value, or financial well-being for ourselves and family. That's something that I think everyone would like to have. And there's nothing wrong with these things, but the point is they're not the chief end. They're not the final goal we should have. None of us are made for freedom. We're not made for excitement. We can be fulfilled as humans without these things because our chief and highest end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. I mentioned pickleball a little while ago as something that I would like to make progress in. When I first began playing during the COVID lockdowns, my goal was to become a better player. That was it. That was my goal. I played a lot, 
I improved with practice, getting lots of reps, playing games with a variety of different skill-leveled people, and watching YouTube videos that were instructional. Eventually, I happened to play against someone who was a coach, a professional pickleball coach. Yes, they exist. And we were just playing a casual game. I wasn't paying him. He wasn't coaching me or anything. But during the game, he noticed that my grip on the paddle was wrong. He gave me some free pointers, showed me how to adjust my grip, and told me about how that can actually improve my pickleball ability in the long run. But as I got used to that new grip, playing a few games, trying it out, I lost a lot. Because I wasn't used to holding the paddle that way, I would miss the ball or I would hit it wrong and send it flying out of bounds. It ended up being a detriment in the short term. So if I had made my ultimate goal something short term, like winning this game that I was playing or looking good, maybe impressing people on the court, then I would have been understandably frustrated. But because my goal was more long term, bigger picture to become a better pickleball player, I was able to take the short-term speed bump of losing a few games in its stride. It paid off in the end, and now I'm a better player because of it. So to bring us back into this discussion of progression, if you make the goal any of those lesser things like adventure, freedom, financial well-being, they're not bad things. They just aren't ultimate. These short-term ends will leave you dissatisfied because they're, they're not what you're made for. The only ultimate good you were created for is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. So that's the Westminster Catechism. Well, we want to look next at a man who took this idea a step further, and that's going to be John Piper in his book, Desiring God. He adjusts the Westminster Catechism just slightly to, we are to glorify God by enjoying him forever. He says that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. And the introduction of his book, he explains how he arrived at this adjusted definition of the chief end of man. He includes quite a few quotes that led him there from a variety of different people throughout church history. And so these are some of the quotes that we're going to look at. I've picked out not quite all of them. I've picked out about half of the quotes that he included that make the point for us. It's not nearly as thorough as Piper is in his book, but if you want a full explanation, you'll just have to pick it up. It's worth a read for sure. But the first quote he gives is from Blaise Pascal. This kind of is the first quote that explains how he started developing his idea that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Pascal says, all men seek happiness. This is without exception. Whatever different means they employ, they all tend to this end. This is the motive of every action of every man, even of those who hang themselves. So everyone, good and bad, even people who are ending their own lives, are making decisions based on what they think will grant them the most happiness. And he's not saying that this is a bad thing necessarily. It's just the natural state of things. All men seek happiness. So that's Pascal. Next, we actually have C.S. Lewis himself from the book The Weight of Glory. Piper includes this as the next quote. Lewis says, If there lurks in most modern minds the notion that to desire our own good and earnestly to hope for the enjoyment of it is a bad thing, I submit that this notion has crept in from Kant and the Stoics and is no part of the Christian faith. Indeed, if we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the Gospels, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition, when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased." The second quote from Lewis explains further that it's not wrong, even for Christians, to desire their own good. Like Pascal said, it's natural. 
In fact, for, as Christians, we should strengthen that desire because our ultimate good is found in God. Therefore, that very impulse to seek our own happiness that Pascal stated will lead us into the arms of God, the place where we're meant to be. We are far too easily pleased when we settle for lesser pleasures of the world, like he says. And finally, we're going to look at a quote from Jonathan Edwards, and this is going to complete the argument. He says, God is glorified not only by his glories being seen, but by its being rejoiced in. He's glorified not only in his glory being seen, but by being rejoiced in. And this is the final piece of the puzzle. All men seek happiness. Christians should seek happiness as well. And God is glorified most by creatures that enjoy him. My son is only a few weeks old, but thinking ahead to the picturesque days of throwing a football with him in the backyard, I know that I don't want to have to drag him outside and make him spend time with me out of obedience. Of course not. I hope that he'll be stoked to play ball with his old man. And this is how God is. He's technically being glorified by a grumpy person sitting in the pews, mumbling the words to a praise and worship song. But he's much more glorified by the person who sings praise to God because they enjoy him. He wants to be enjoyed, and that brings him the most glory. And so these quotes kind of bring us to Piper's conclusion that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. And that's a good end for us to pursue. Some final quotes from Piper himself that kind of wrap this up. He says, We have a name for those who try to praise when they have no pleasure in the object. We call them hypocrites. And he further says, I must pursue joy in God if I am to glorify him as the surpassingly valuable. So that's it. That's what we should be progressing towards. Glorify God, enjoy him forever. It's the chief end of man. And coincidentally, it also brings about the most glory for God. So what did we talk about today? In order for us to progress, Lewis says, we must know the goal we're moving toward. And if you've moved beyond that, if you are headed on the wrong road, the most progressive thing you can do is turn around until the point where you get back on the right road. And then we discussed the goal of mankind, what we should be progressing towards, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That starts with you. It starts with me. We can't change society as a whole, but we can change what we ourselves focus on. So that's a challenge I'm taking away from the week. I suggest you think about it as well, and I'd love to hear your thoughts. If you enjoyed this episode and you haven't subscribed yet, please do. Share this episode with a friend and leave a five-star review. It really helps us get the word out to more people who can be impacted by this content. If you want to reach out to me, you can either join my Locals page or tweet at MyApologiesPod. I'd love to hear from you. Until next time, my name is Stephen Cram, and this is My Apologies. My Apologies.